Once upon a time, there lived a girl named Mary, and an angel came to her one day and said, "Having a baby." A baby? What kind of baby? Look like pumpkins. That's it. And frogs. Mary went to go tell Joseph, her husband, who she was marrying. I'm gonna have a baby, and he's gonna be the son of God, and I don't know what we're gonna do about it. They traveled to Bethlehem to pay their taxes, and they probably didn't want to walk that far. They wanted a sports car. The rooms were full because it was Christmas Eve. They asked people, and they said, "There's nowhere to stay." He asked, "I'm Joseph. Where do we stay?" I have no idea. They asked the、um, the innkeeper, "Do you have any rooms?" He said. No, I don't. But you can sleep in the、um, you can sleep in the barn. She was like, "I'm not staying there." Is that the only place we can go? <laughs> Stinky. They said okay, and then the ba- baby Jesus was born. The shepherds were out in the field. They take care of sheep, and it was Davis and his brothers and his dad Jeffrey. No, not Davis. Daniel. And the angel showed showed up and said、um, that、um, God's being born. And then they said, "Follow the star. Follow the brightest star. You'll see the baby. You'll see baby Jesus." What else? Wise men were、um, three kings from the east, and they saw this bright light. And it was when Jesus was born. They brought gifts to him: metal presents, gold, something and something. Gold、um, and Frankenstein and bow. They look like metal. It's about Jesus. He wanted to love people, and he wanted them to be happy. First, he was a little baby, and then he started growing up to be a man. And then he was Jesus. He、uh, made us, and he loves us. He's God, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is Santa's birthday. <laughs> Well, it can be kind of confusing, huh? Well, Merry Christmas! It is sure good to see all of you. I tell you what, you don't live up to the Seacoast reputation on Christmas Eve. You guys look good, you really do. And、uh, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us、uh, right now from an offsite campus.、Uh, we're glad that you are along also, and、uh, just want you to participate. Along with us as we、uh, share just a few minutes about some lessons from Christmas. Well, this is great. I love it. I, this is one of my favorite、uh, services of the year.、Uh, to be honest with you, the rush of Christmas is done. Are you done with the presents and all that? Have you got most of them? Okay. If you haven't, you're in trouble. Okay. You really are. You know. You know what's a bummer? Here's what's a bummer: is when you come to the Christmas Eve service and you thought you bought everybody gifts, and somebody that you didn't buy a gift for brings one to you. Have you, have you had that happen? You got to rush over to the gas station that's open, you know, and see what you can get. Well, I, I don't know about you, but it just seems to me like this year 
that there's a lot of uncertainty uh, in the air uh, with with this this Christmas. There's always the uncertainty of gifts, you know. Who do you buy for? How much do you buy? If you have kids, you've probably kind of asked yourself this, did we do equal amounts? And, and it's not even how much you paid, but it's like how big is the box, you know, or what it is, because you know that they're going to, even when they start to be this big and there's more than one kid, they kind of calculate, you know, what their brother or sister got, and, and you're kind of hoping that you kind of balance it out. You're hoping that you bought the right things. Guys, I, I tell you what, I thank God for gift receipts. How many of you are grateful for that? I know I, I was buying Debbie something this week, and, and I went in, and, and I, I think the person that was serving me could kind of see the look on my face that maybe I wasn't as confident as I should have been what I was doing. And I said, what, what if she doesn't like it? And she said, no problem, here's a gift receipt. Guys, to understand that, that's a mulligan is what that is. That, that means you don't have to get it right the first time. There's a lot of economic uncertainty uh, these days. I uh, was talking to a couple of college graduates recently. In fact, one of them is in my own home. And uh, because of the economic situation, they're unsure about, w- will there be a job for me after studying all of these years? What's that going to be like? I talked to a family just a few weeks ago that moved here from another state. And they moved here to, um, it, they had a, uh, a job offer that just seemed like it was, man, this is perfect. This is going to be the right deal and, and it's going to be a good thing for our family. And, and they moved here and moved everything and it didn't work out. And now they're scratching and clawing to pay their bills and there's a lot of uncertainty in them uh, this, this Christmas. There's relational uncertainty. I, I know one of my friends uh, is going through a divorce uh, and, and he never dreamed it would be like this. He never thought he would face a Christmas you know, without his kids and how do I handle that? And a, a, Another friend that I have uh, lost her father recently and he was her confidant and she's not sure what Christmas is, is going to be like, a little bit uncertain. Um, I was talking to a couple just in the foyer about three weeks ago, and uh, they said that uh, he was going to be deployed uh, to Afghanistan after the first of the year. And I can just see the look on their face, the uncertainty, you know, uh, will he be safe? What, what will life be like when he comes back? And how, how is life going to be uh, for us? There's spiritual uncertainty. I, I know a guy that I talk with regularly that's honestly struggling with his faith. What do I really believe? What's true? What's certain? And what's not? I know another family that uh, they're pretty secure in their faith, but the question is, uh, what's the next season for us? And, and w- w- in our serving and where God is leading, how do I know God's will? How do I find God's will? A lot of uncertainty. Do you know anybody like that? Do you? Is that you? Is that you? Well, you know, the truth is there are a lot of uncertainties in the Christmas story as we read it. We're very familiar with it. Mary has uncertainty. Let me just read the story a little bit in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. I thought the kids did a great job of doing it kind of by memory, but I'm going to use the Bible if that's all right. I'm not sure that I would get all the facts right either. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is Mary's aunt, and she's miraculously pregnant also. It says that God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth and to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused, 
and disturbed. Yeah, you think. I mean, here she is, you know, this 14-year-old girl, and she's doing what 14-year-old girls do, and this angel comes and says, the Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. She tried to think what the angel could mean, and, and he said, don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. So that Mary had a question. How many of you would have a question? A little bit of uncertainty here. Here's this 14-year-old girl. She's never seen an angel before. She's doing the stuff she does every day. Angels don't come to her town. Here's this angel. God's going to be with you. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to bear a son. And he's going to be the one that's going to redeem the world. She has a question. She says, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. There's uncertainty. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And I, people used to say that she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. There's uncertainty there. You flip over to Joseph, and there was a lot of uncertainty with him. Matthew 1 and verse 18, it says, Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph... Her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. You know, we, we read, it's kind of just a sentence in here, and this happened, and oh, he decided not to embarrass her, and we've talked about all of those things in Christmas messages of the, of the past. But, but it, it, it's, it's a, a period of maybe days or perhaps even weeks of uncertainty. How could this happen? And she's pregnant and I thought she was faithful to me and there's this story she talks about an angel and all of this kind of stuff. And all of this this weeks of uncertainty is crushed down into one little verse. Uncertainty in that first Christmas. So here's my question today. How do you handle the uncertainties of life? Because the truth is this. Most of life is beyond your control. Would you agree with that? I mean, you can't control the weather. We have four children. All four of them are married. First three children were married outdoors. Any other parents have experienced that? Kind of torture as you watch the weather channel more than you've ever done before, except for when a hurricane is coming to South Carolina. And, and, and you're waiting for, you know, th- there's a 10-day forecast, and, and they don't do longer than that, and you're waiting for the 10-day forecast, and you're watching, maybe it's going to be okay, maybe it's going to be okay, maybe it's going to be okay. I've had people come and ask me to pray for their, you know, f- for, for the weather, for their events, and I say, I don't do well with the weather or the sex of children as far as praying for them. I, my record is not real good, see? And so my fourth daughter said, I'm going to get married. The first thing I said is, it's going to be indoors. I cannot endure another <laughs> The uncertainty of another outdoor wedding. We can't control the weather. You can't control, you know, you you can't control other people's responses. You can't even control your own kids. There's a lot of uncertainty in life. So what's the antidote to uncertainty? Well, 
I can tell you this. The antidote to uncertainty is certainly not certainty. Why don't you say that together with me? The antidote to uncertainty is certainly not certainty. They say that there are two things you can be certain about in life, and what are they? Death and taxes. Everything else is kind of up in the air, isn't it? I can't say to you for certainty that if you do this and do this and do this and do this, things will work out in a certain way because I don't know. I can't say to you if you, you know, the people you love and maybe they're sick, if you'll just pray in this certain way, they will get well. I hope so. But I can't say a lot of things by certainty. So what's the antidote to uncertainty? And here's what it is. And here's what I want you to hear this Christmas season. The antidote to whatever uncertainty that you're dealing with in your life is to put your hope into the certainty of God's character. See, I would say that there are three things in life that are certain, not just death and taxes, but another thing is the character of God. In fact, he says about himself in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. See, in a world where everything's changing, that's a certainty that I can put my hope in. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you two or three ideas, ways that you can be hopeful in this Christmas season regardless of what you're dealing with in an uncertain world around you. Here's the first one. You can put your hope in the certainty of God's love for you. God's love for you. Christmas is about what? It's about giving, right? It's about giving. Someone said that you can give without loving. How many of you know that part's true? How many of you bought a gift this... Don't raise your hand. Just kind of look at me like this and go... How many of you bought a gift this year for somebody that you don't necessarily love? You don't even like them. But you bought a gift for a lot of reasons. We could go through all of that. But you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If you love, you give. And where does that come from? It comes from God. In fact, John 3.16 says about Christmas, says about that moment, it says this, For God so loved the world. That's you and I. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. It says that God loved so much that He gave. And one thing you can bank on is the certainty of God's love for you. Now, why do we give? We give because people are good. Isn't that right? We give. If somebody's good, we give. give. And if they're very good, we give them more. Where do we learn that from? From Santa Claus. Right? Yeah. There are, the songs about... So I, I love the songs of Christmas. I love the songs about Santa Claus. I love the, the Christmas carols. I love all of them. I just love the Christmas season. But there are some songs that really give us some crazy, strange theology. And here's one of them. Santa Claus is coming to town. Have you heard that one? Let's sing that one together. Okay? Let's sing it. I, I had them type up the words. We're going to put them on the screen. Christmas carols are hard. But I want you, I want you to sing in the campuses right now. I want you to sing along with us. Okay, let, let, let's do it together. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Come on. Santa Claus is coming 
to town. Now, what's he doing? Listen. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Does this feel great? Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, listen to the theology on this one. He sees when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He been good or good so be good for goodness sake time out time out wait some of you are getting a little excited about this there's a theology lesson in here did you know that santa was omniscient he knows when you're sleeping and when you're awake and he knows when you've been good or bad and what does he do with that knowledge Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, why. Because Santa Claus is coming. Big ending. To town. Give yourself a hand. That was fantastic. So what's Santa saying? Santa only gives gifts to good people. You can't be your bad self all year long and expect good stuff on Christmas Eve. Would you agree with that? Amen. Because, <laughs> this guy over here really likes that. Beca- because, why? Because we give gifts because people are good. That's not what God does. And don't equate that whole theology with God because it'll make you into somebody that just tries harder and harder and harder and harder to please God. Here's what God does. We give gifts because people are good. God gives gifts because He is good. It is the nature of God to give. See? It's His nature. And so, and so, and, and so Jesus comes. Does Israel deserve Jesus? Does it deserve a Savior? No more than you and I do. Israel's up and down and up and down. I got a friend like that. His spiritual life's like a yo-yo. You know, up, down, up, down. He's just terrible, awful, and up. He's good and doesn't need God. You know, just craziness. And sometimes we live our lives like that. And Israel was like that. And you know what? God came anyway because He's good. Because He loves us. He loves so much that He gave His only Son. See, we doubt God's love when we think that I'm not good. How could God love me? I know who I am, and, 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 and we, we doubt God's love. Or when our circumstances aren't good, it goes like this. If, if God really loved me, I wouldn't have to go through this. If God really loved me, why, why does this happen to my loved ones? And, and, and what we do is we kind of got, got a Santa Claus vision of God, and that's not how, not how God is. God gives because He is good. God loves because He has decided to love. I don't care who you are or what you've done or what you're going through right now. I'm certain of this. God loves you. And He proved it by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, on that very first Christmas. And then Jesus lived a sinless life and then He died on a cross for, not His sins, for our sins. God loves you. If the enemy can get you to believe otherwise, here's what happens. You lose hope. If you want to be certain, if you want to have a certainty, if you want to have hope, put your hope into the certainty that God loves you. 
I can also be hopeful because of the certainty that God cares for me. See, there, the truth is, there are a certain number of us, I'm excited about Christmas, but there are certain people here that are not as excited as I am because of what they're experiencing right now. I, I, I told you about a friend of mine who's going through divorce. He's, he, he's got his three kids tonight, today. And tonight he has to give them back and he's going to spend his first Christmas without his, his kids and, and he's dreading that. It's a young couple that just moved to the Charleston area who won't be able to go back home. There's a lot of people who aren't able to travel this year because of the economy, and, and they're dreading Christmas here. There's another family I know of that's caring for an aged parent who's suffering from dementia in the very beginnings of Alzheimer's. This season's been especially painful. And that might be you. They, they, they have a term, they have a name for what, what they're feeling, and that's Christmas blues. It's a mixture of feelings of can be sadness or depression or loneliness or anger. It feels like you're the only one going through it. And guess what? You're not. I love the reality of the Bible because the Christmas story spans the entire range of human emotions. It's a story of hope, but it doesn't start out that way. Mary. When Mary learned of her pregnancy, she might not have felt like rejoicing. I mean, we kind of put an American culture around her, but that's not where she lived. In her culture, women had... Basically, no rights. She belonged to her father until the time that she's married, and then she belonged to her husband just like he owned a car. He owns her. She worked very, very hard. From the time she's able to walk, she works hard. Women did a lot of the work. Um, Mary was probably about 14 years old. She finds out she's pregnant. She's probably terrified because the consequences are big. She's probably going to have to leave home. There's the potential of being slow, sold into slavery or stoned or maybe she's going to have to be a prostitute in order to earn the money that she needs to take care of herself and her baby because Joseph's going to put her away quietly, but she's going to be put away nonetheless. First Christmas doesn't start out very merry for Mary. So what does Mary do? Mary does... What any frightened teenage girl would do, she turns to music to comfort her. If she'd have had an iPod, she'd have put the you know, little earplugs in and turned it on. You say, well, Greg, where's that at? Well, the Bible says she went to visit her, her Aunt uh, Elizabeth, and she tells her what's going on. And then she starts to sing a song. It's called Mary's Song. It's called the Magnificat. And here, here's what I know about it. The song wasn't even all that original. It's kind of a cover tune that was written by a woman named Hannah who had some pregnancy issues years before. But it's a, it, parts of it are sung that's been passed down. And she turns to it because she's doing what Christians have done down through the ages. When a crisis comes, she turns to Scripture and the song is about the goodness of God and what God has done in the past. And she says, God is going to be merciful to me today. I know that He is. See, it's, it's a Catholic in the time of crisis reciting the Our Father or maybe the Rosary during a time of loss. It's the passengers on the airplane landing in the Hudson River reciting the 23rd Psalm together as a point of hope. It's a soldier in Afghanistan repeating the 91st Psalm as they head into the war zone. I will dwell under the wings of the Almighty. God is my place of refuge and safety. I will trust in Him. 
It's what Christians do to encourage themselves during times of discouragement. Some call it meditating on Scripture. I call it preaching the gospel to yourself. Because I don't know about you, but when things don't go exactly the way that I think that they should, I oftentimes default to the very first worst case, you know. Why is this happening? And what's going on? And this is going to be... And you know what? Reminding yourself that God loves you and that God cares for you and that God cares about the details of your life and reminding yourself that, that of the certainty that God does care. See, I don't know how the details are going to turn out in your life and my life, but I can be certain of Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. See, I don't know how the details are going to work out in life, but I do know that Romans 8.31 says that if God is for me, who can be against me? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how the details will work out in life, but I do know that Jesus promised in Matthew 6.33 that if I would seek first the kingdom of God, that He would give me everything that I need for life. See, that may not be what I'm feeling, but that's the truth. And here's what I want to say to you. If, if the uncertainty of your situation threatens to numb the joy of Christmas this Christmas Eve, I want to challenge you to put your hope in the certainty that God loves you and that God cares about you. And one more thought, one more thought. I want you to put your hope in the certainty that God has a plan for you. See, the Christmas story begins with the story of God's plan for Mary. God, first, first thing He does is He invites her to be a part of His family. You say, well, how's that? He said, you're going to be the mother of Jesus. So what does that do? That puts her in his family. It changes her identity. She's no longer just Mary from, you know, Galilee. She's now Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's a part of God's family. She could have said no. She would have missed God's plan for her life, but she didn't. She said, I'll do it. And then he gives her a specific role in God's bigger plan, the redemption of the story, God redeeming everything to himself. And she has a a role in that. And so do you. Your Christmas story is this. It's about God's plan for you. First, He wants you to be a part of His family. I love C.S. Lewis' quote. He says, The Son of God became a man. This Christmas event, here's why it happened. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. God wants you to be a part of His family. You know, I, one of the things I love about Christmas is Christmas dinner. And we're going to have Christmas dinner at our house and, and all the kids are going to be there. That's a great time. What if one of my kids said, I'm not coming, not now, not ever. How would, how would I feel about that? It would be devastating to me. Yet, and yet that's the kind of thing that we do with God when we say, you know what, I'm going to hold you at a distance. And God says, no, I want, I want you to be a part of my family. In fact, Ephesians 1 says, long ago, even before He made the world, God loved us and He chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in His eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave Him great pleasure. See, God wants you in the family, but He not only wants that, He wants to use you to play a specific part in in, in His redemption of the world. 
God is restoring all things. You know, some people say, say that, boy, the world's getting worse and worse. Isn't, I don't think so. I think it's getting better and better. I mean, you look at Jesus' time and, they, and the crucifixions and how horrible that is. You look during the Middle Ages and the terrible things they did to people, and that was the good people doing it to people. I think that the world is getting better in part as a result of God's redemptive process. And what God does is He brings you into the family and then He gives you work to do to redeem your neighborhood, your people, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, your workplace. God has specific plans for you to make the world a better place. How do I know that? And what are my plans? What, is, what, what does God have plans for me? We're going to do a new series uh, after the first of the year. I'm really looking forward to January the 9th and 10th. And, and here's the title that I've chosen for it. Why aren't you dead yet? Does that sound inspiring? Take a look at this. Take a look at this. Here's what I want you to do. Would you just check your neighbor's pulse real quick? Would you do that? Just real quick, real quick. It's audience participation in the campuses. Okay, if there's a pulse there, guess what? God's got a plan for you. God's got work for you. I don't care what's happened to you up to this point. God has a plan for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. God's plan for us is to be an epidemic of hope. Jesus was the hope of the world. We are to be the hope of the neighborhood, of our family, of the workplace, and ultimately of the world. So how do I become a part of God's family and a part of His redemption plan? The very same way that Mary did. One more verse. Luke one thirty-eight. After the angel came to her and explained the whole thing, here's what she said. I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever He wants. May everything that you have said come true. And then the angel left. Can I ask you a question as we kind of wrap it up tonight? Have you ever said that? Have you, have, have you said that to God? Have you said, God, I, I'm your servant. I'm a follower of Christ. If you say that and you mean it from your heart, then you become a part of His family forever. Then the second part of the statement says this, I'm willing to accept whatever He wants. And all that is is saying, God, I'm going to trust You with my life. What are you having trouble trusting God with? Are you having trouble trusting God maybe with your marriage, 
Or maybe with your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Or maybe it's your kids you're having trouble trusting God with. Or maybe it's your finances, your career, your work. How do you know you're not trusting God with it? It's called worry. Is anybody familiar with that word? Worry is just simply trying to control an uncontrollable. You're trying to make an uncertainty into a certainty. And so what I want to do is I want to invite you to trust and hope in the character of God this Christmas. Because He loves you. He cares for you. And He has an incredible plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank You this weekend for the truth of Your Word. I thank You for Christmas. And the fact that you became Emmanuel, God with us. That you sent your son as a sign that you love us. And God, you do. God, I thank you for the fact that you care for us and that you've provided for us. And God, regardless of what we're thinking about or going through, that you've shown your care in the past and you're going to show it in the future. And God, I pray that you would just guide us and direct us in these next few moments as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of response. And uh, this is the best part of the Christmas Eve service. We're going to respond to God for just a few minutes. And, and, and here's what I want you to do. Two or, two or three thoughts. First of all, maybe you've never really said to God, God, I'm yours. I'm your servant. I want to challenge you to do that. In fact, I'm going to pray for you. Or I want you to pray. And I want you just to say, God, I want to be a part of your family. Lord, I, I, I want to be your servant. I don't understand all about it. Mary didn't understand all about it. But God, I'm going to trust you with my life. And uh, if you're going to do that tonight, here's what I'd like you to do. During our response time at some point, maybe you want to get out of your seat and go to a candle on either side. There are candles. Just light a candle. And as you do, just say, God, here's my life. It's yours. May the light of Jesus come into my life. Maybe, um, maybe you want to take a friend with you. Maybe family member or whatever who's sitting around you. Maybe they've been praying for you and you just want God to come into your life and to be the Lord of your life. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Maybe you're, there is an area of your life that you're having a, a problem trusting God and you're worrying about something, worrying about the family, worrying about finances, worrying about whatever it happens to be. I want you just to pray, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. Here it is. I give it to you. Maybe you want to go to the cross. Write on a little piece of paper the thing that you're struggling with releasing to God, the thing that you're having a problem worrying over and releasing to Him. What if we all did that? What if we all became Christ followers who totally just abandoned ourselves to Him and said, God, here I am. Use me like Mary did. Use me. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. We can make a major difference in the world. There's some of us that decided during this Christmas season that we would attack one issue in the world, and the issue is uh, clean water. You see the water bottles 
that are around here today. And here's what we did. Some of us took a challenge and we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sacrifice during the Christmas season. And um, various sacrifices. Some of us said, you know, we're not going to drink what we normally drink and we'll take the money that we use to, you know, pay for it. I'm talking about soft drinks. And we're going <laughs> to... Or whatever it is that you drink, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna put it in a bottle and we're gonna collect our funds together and we're gonna give water um, filters to countries where and, and villages where they don't have clean water. This is a cool deal. Some people have collected together, you know, some change. This one has a lot of change in a ten dollar bill in it. Other people put a check in there. We got a check this week from somebody that doesn't even go to our church that heard about the hope epidemic. And wrote me a letter and said, here's $25,000 to buy a water system for somewhere in the world. And so what we're going to do is, those of us who brought our water bottles, we're going to come as an act of worship. We're going to put them somewhere here on the stage. And just say, God, I want to make a major difference in the world today. Then we're going to receive communion together. Those of you who are believers, let's come to the Lord's table and uh, receive communion and remember the reason for the season that Jesus Christ came and He gave His life for us. We're going to give our offerings, our tithes and offerings in the offering boxes, and then we're going to stand and sing and celebrate an awesome God. So let's just take a little bit of time to respond. Maybe if you've got a water bottle during the first song, which is kind of about that, maybe you want to bring it and just bring it as a sacrifice and an offering. Just pray as you do and say, God, use this to give clean water to somebody in the world.